Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have on air, online. They're, they're virtually the same thing, really, uh, these days. I mean, we're not broadcasting, we're online, is what we are. It, it, it comes down to the same thing. You're listening to us. It's just how you access is, is, is the difference. Uh, if you access us the way I anticipate most are, that is going to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You, when you get there, you realize that you have two, two massive choices, uh, a choice between two incredibly uh, powerful uh, forces presented to you not really uh, you have you have two links the first is the link to our uh, podcasts and you may be very well listening to this show on our podcast feed the second link however is to what we define as our radio loop and that's because it contains it leads you to it, if you could trace it with a, with, a, with a fine wire or somehow run your finger against a map of the ether uh, in, the, in, in the air and the, and the net or, or all the satellite bounces and different nodes and, and little points of, of departure and, and intersections and changes, if you, if you could trace it all, it would take you to a computer a separate computer running here in the studio that runs a version, it runs these, this show in a continuous loop. And when you choose the radio loop link, you are picking up that show at whatever point it happens to be in the cycle, the perpetual cycle, as it were. Well, perpetual until the next show goes up and takes its place. But there's always a show running on the radio loop. Unless, of course, it's one of those... Uh, let's see now. We are, we are guaranteed by our uh, internet provider with 99.6% uh, I believe is the number that they give us, uh, accessibility to the internet, which, which sounds great, by the way, until you think of what that means in terms of 365 days a year. 99% of 365 days a year means that there's about three days or so <laughs> that aren't covered. That means to to meet to meet their commitment of ninety nine point whatever percent uptime uh, link linkage uh, positive time for the show they can screw up as much as three whole days in the course of a given year it's it's the nature of the beast. Uh, to avoid that would take backup on top of backup. But even there, then there's the risk of local blackouts. And, and even with, with, with backup generators, there's a period of time when there would be a drop in the computer. But then maybe you could add... But the, the simple reality is that it's just about practically impossible 
to uh, avoid some periods of time in the course of any calendar year when center-left radio is not in and, and broadcasting its radio loop. But even then, you can always find our podcast. So if we're not there at the click of the link, and you're not hearing us the moment you click that link, which, was, which is what happens with the radio loop, you can always begin the process anew and fresh by using our podcast feed. We're here for you. And uh, we have been for over five years in well, hundred, well over 700 individual programs. And we intend to keep doing it uh, for quite some time to come because there's a, a lot to talk about, as you undoubtedly know. I've been uh, speaking from a number of different angles in the last, uh, last few programs about the entire notion of peace and war vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia, Ukraine, the horrors of what's going on. Uh, and, and that's obvious. At this point, I, I think is, is, there was a bombing of a railway station in Donetsk yesterday. 30 people killed, 100, uh, 100 injured. This is simply a place where people are going to try to get out of the war zone. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. He is evil. His, this is obviously intentional. This is, this is a medieval strategy of basically breaking a nation, breaking its spirit. This is in the worst uh, tradition of evil doing and war making. This is accompanied, of course, by uh, misinformation being given to the Russian people so that there is still a very substantial percentage of the Russian people, according to what information we can get, that believe that what Russia is doing is protecting them from the Nazis ruling Ukraine who threaten Mother Russia and must be brought uh, to heel at all costs because they represent a great danger. This and and this is and this is because all other forms of communication have essentially, other than state-sponsored communication, has been shut down for the average Russian. Whether or not they can get outside internet channels, pick up any kind of information, and there are are some ways in which this can be done. I don't know. But it would appear that most Russians believe the lies being put out. We are seeing for ourselves in America, those who care to see, what the true nature of misinformation and lying is. We have basically been united, uh, oddly, uh, as a people and even as uh, a, a governments. Our main, our federal government and, and you know, our, our legislature and uh, is basically 100% in against Russia on this. Most Americans, virtually all Americans, is, it's a very small percentage according to the, to the, uh, to the pollings 
uh, are are just vehemently against what Putin is doing. It's it's all out there. So Putin has managed to unify America at least on one uh, one small level. It, it it's certainly that unification certainly does not extend uh, any further than uh, attitudes towards him and attitudes favoring the Ukrainian people. But 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 one of the things that we've spoken of quite a bit of late has been the notion of attempting to utilize mechanisms of nonviolent resistance in dealing with the Russians. And, 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 and uh, I've seen, I've mentioned this, I've, I've, I've seen uh, long extended internet uh, email chains, many of them generated by uh, the guys that I went to school with. Some of them have been panelists, you may know them, uh, you'd know them from our Noble Hearts Forum panels, others uh, not on those panels, but just as capable and just as, uh, as thoughtful and, and, and intelligent and able to contribute their notions to the validity or lack thereof of applying nonviolent resistance principles to the current situation. And, and not surprisingly, the general uh, statement, the general, the, the general force, the, the, the vast majority of the comments coming on this topic are, no, are you crazy? I mean, to, to, to summarize quickly, no, no way in hell. We're too, we're too far past that. There's no way this can work. There's no way it can happen. But more than that, because of the, of the, of the, of the, just the instantaneous ability to say it's not working, it won't work, you can't have nonviolent resistance, it's gone a step further, I feel, in, 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 dealing a blow to the very notion of nonviolent resistance, as if nonviolent resistance was something that might have worked for some reason somewhere in the past. It's just not considerable. It shouldn't be thought of. It just, it's basically self, it's self-canceled for all purposes in light of the current world situation. That, that's pretty much where I think some people are winding up. And there's been a lot of behind the scenes, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes communication uh, with the, the, the main let's say, the main promoters of nonviolent resistance. And again, no names on this one. And I've questioned, my, my biggest question was this. I, I've, I've, read, I've read some very eloquent statements about how nonviolent resistance has worked in earlier situations and earlier conflicts. Uh, there, there have been compilations of statistics that have shown that when nonviolent means are utilized, the number of casualties and deaths among a attacked 
population invariably is lower. It is, it is, a, it is actually a more rational, a more humane mechanism for dealing with aggressive, uh, the aggressive actions uh, of, a, of an invader than any other, certainly from the perspective of the amount of injury and death inflicted on a population. But if that's the case, and if the statistics are there to prove it, then why hasn't nonviolent resistance been somehow uh, utilized by the Ukrainian people? Why hasn't the nonviolent resistance community gotten their act together to the point where they're able to say and make a presentation to and be convincing about and let the world see that they're doing all this, putting into play a non-violent mechanism, a, resist, a resistance based in non-violence to counter the Russian aggression. It's going to get fewer people killed, right? And fewer people injured, right? If the statistics uh, are followed, if, 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 if history is an indicator. So the fact that that's not happening, and again, this, this seems to be a general uh, reaction on the part of people. The fact that nonviolence resistance is not out there is, 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 is a multiple condemnation of sorts. It, it says that nonviolence is basically a theoretical construct that a bunch of academics basically are putting out there because it sounds good, and yes, it sounds wonderful, but it has no bearing and and more than that, if you want to to, to think along if you want to go the next I would call it, and I'll, you'll understand why in a moment, the next illogical step. Therefore, nonviolence maybe isn't something that we should be considering in this day and age. That's kind of where this seems to be going at the moment. And, and when I've uh, spoken with and written to uh, people who are in the field of late, I, I found myself offering up the two prime examples that I think Americans, it would come to American minds almost immediately, but there's, there's many other examples of nonviolent resistance, and that would be Mahatma Gandhi, certainly, in India's battle for independence back in the 1940s, and Martin Luther King. I mean, the, the, the quintessential, the quintessential nonviolent resistance uh, act, uh, activists, if you will, the people who truly, truly are attempting to keep this going. You could argue, and I, I, whatever your politics of the current time, that the National Action Network under under uh, Reverend Al Sharpton uh, is itself a non-violent or a or a, uh, a, a an extension of the non-violent concepts that were put out by Martin Luther King. Uh, violence of some sort sometimes will creep into these things, but by and large, these are non-violent sources and forces that are out there. Now, the, the, uh, an obvious, obvious thing escaped me. <laughs> and I, I would argue escaped 
most people who got involved in this thread, either, you know, and, and, and it was almost 100%, what, nonviolence just doesn't work. It's not here. It's not working. Number one, and this point was brought up to me by a, 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 uh, an, an intellectual and I would say practical uh, purveyor, uh, promoter, uh, writer of, uh, teacher about nonviolent resistance. No one's asked us to help them with nonviolence. I mean, the question, the, 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 the basic concept being, do you expect that we as the nonviolent community can simply impose, okay, we're here, here's a nonviolent solution. Here's a very practical nonviolent solution. Here's, here's, here's our template. Here's our 20-point plan for nonviolent reaction. Uh, we'll do it here. Here's how you do it in Bucha. Here's how, here's how you do it in Mariupol. Here, here's how you do it outside of the, in the suburbs of Kiev. Here, and, and this is how the government should... Why hasn't that happened? And, and the answer is, is remarkably simple and, and remarkably reasonable, I think comes down to this. Nobody has asked us. Could it, could it be that simple? And the answer is yes. Now, now, now I, I, can under, I, I can understand the other, but still you should be putting out 20-point uh, uh, plans and laying them out there so that people could see, if only you do this, 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 and this, and this, it would be nonviolent, but it would, it, and, and you'd probably wind up doing better. But the thing is, to do that would require really close interaction with the players on the ground. And if the people involved, if the government's involved, if the forces involved, especially those of the oppressed people, if they're not willing to work with the nonviolent community to create the plans that would then uh, go into effect and, and would hopefully have the positive results that nonviolent re resistance plans have had uh, throughout the 20th century and into the 21st. Well, it's not, when you think about it, it's not really reasonable to put that on the heads of the nonviolent community. It, it doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense to go ahead and create plans in a vacuum, sitting up at 50,000 feet, looking down and saying, here's how we think this ought to play out. No, the whole point of nonviolence is an on-the-ground, uh, reasoned way of dealing with things in a very tactical way. And to work out the tactics, you got to be there. You got to be part of the process. I mean, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense unless you think about it that way. If you simply, and it, it, you can be angry at the nonviolent community for not solving it because that seems to be what they're suggesting. Nonviolent resistance will solve this. And you're not, and it's not being solved. Now, I can't, I can't really shout at Vladimir Putin. I can't shout at NATO. I can't shout at, at Biden and company for not putting in planes and creating a no-fly zone. But I can get angry at the nonviolent community because they're supposed to be the rational alternative. Well, why aren't you? Why isn't it working?
it, it's easy, you see, to, to go after them. But it gets even more basic than that. And it becomes the, the, the obviousness of this, of the flaw in the anger at the nonviolent community becomes so obvious when you stop and consider our own history. Sure, we use Mahatma Gandhi and we use Martin Luther King as the prime examples of how nonviolence can work. Now, how and where did the nonviolent programs that they put into effect arise? Where did they come from? Did some external nonviolent uh, resource fly in the documentation and the Gandhi people picked it up and the Martin Luther King people picked it up and said, okay, we're going to have a meeting based on what was flown in by the nonviolent community, by the intellectual community, by the writers, by everybody who was involved in nonviolence. And, oh, oh here's the plan that they're offering to us. Let's, let's go through this and decide what we might adopt or not adopt. No, of course not. These were internally generated movements. And that's the whole point. The nonviolent activity came from within. It came from the very sources that ultimately utilized the nonviolent processes, the nonviolent resistance. This is not an imposed solution. We can the the the, the purveyors, the the supporters, the 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 the, uh, the affiliates of nonviolent resistance can communicate the history of it. They can talk about it. But by God, they can't create nonviolent resistance any more than it would be reasonable to imagine that Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King sat around waiting for somebody to airdrop fully written uh, spiral-bound notebooks uh, with, with 50 copies to distribute for a, uh, for a big conference that they were going to hold to decide how nonviolent resistance would be crafted and then to follow that plan and to give due credit to the nonviolent people on the outside who helped it all happen. No, of course not. It must be generated from within. And this and this 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 absolutely dovetails perfectly with the statement that was given to me by a, a rather distinguished member of the nonviolent community. It, it, it all comes down to you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's that simple. And 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 just I, I think it just it gets driven home by understanding and recognizing how nonviolence has worked. You 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 have to get away from the concept and its and its results and the frustration over it not being utilized in the current interest in the current instance. Move that to one side and understand the mechanics of nonviolence resistance being put into play. You gotta have 
something coming from the inside. If the Ukrainian people are not going to be oriented towards this, if they're not going to begin developing their own nonviolent plans, and they could get some guidance, I would imagine, from the nonviolent community, or the nonviolent resistance community, but it must be internally developed. Someone has to say, we want to do this ourselves. We're not considering, we're, nonviolent resistance is not a, 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 a checkoff box on some long list of things that we'll consider, and if we vote to try it, we'll go ahead, don't call us, we'll call you, and please give us a plan. No! That's, that's the, the, the flaw in the argument being posited by people who are saying the nonviolent approach has not worked, it's failed, and it may be absolutely anachronistic at this point, maybe it never meant anything, and the nonviolent community is useless because they haven't come up with the solutions to fix this. If they're really that much committed to what they're doing, why haven't they come up with the plan? Because the plan must come from the people. It must come from within. It can be guided once it's been generated, the, once the desire for it has been generated, but it cannot be imposed any more than the people on the ground are willing to have the oppressor's way of doing things imposed on them. It must come from within. And I wish to hell that the people knocking the nonviolent resistance process would take a moment to consider that, to understand all of the positives that nonviolent resistance does bring with it to understand the history of it, to understand why it should be considered, but to understand the natural limitations on its implementation. And the most natural of the natural limitations is the fact that it can only come into play, it can only be utilized when it is an internally developed alternative. Now, now, does that make sense to you? Or, or, or do we still need to point a finger at someone and something that, 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 that isn't stopping the carnage, the horror show, the, the primitive, the, the medieval, the medieval uh, acts of, of, of the worst kind that are being perpetrated by the war criminal, you know, Vladimir Putin? He, he should be, will be, I, I should hope, will be declared uh, a, a, a purveyor of war crimes by the world court, made, a, made a, an official pariah, more so than the sanctions have done to this point, and essentially find himself in a position where anywhere in the world he may travel that is a signatory to the world court, he will be subject to arrest and, and detention and ultimately brought to justice. Now, the, the odds of that, given the amount of money he has, and given what he seems to be capable of doing, the odds of that are probably pretty slim. 
The odds are he'll probably ultimately go into retirement in one of the, you know, billion-dollar estates or dakas that he's put together someplace for him, protected, 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 and, and, and keep in place much of what he has put in place right now to basically remove any external opinion on the part of the Russian people. It will take, it will take a realization of the effects of the, of the sanctions being placed on the Russian people, which at first will be, my God, the crazy Americans, they're putting all this, they're attacking us again, we're back. And this, of course, will be the Putin argument. Unless and until people can finally, the Russian people can finally begin to understand, wait a minute, if, 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 if this is all just a, 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 an effort on the part of our fearless leader to get rid of the, of the uh, Nazis in the Ukrainian government, you know, the Jewish Nazis run by that great Jewish Nazi, Zelensky, if, if this was just an effort to do that, wait a minute, then, then why would the world be reacting to us this way? Why, why, is, why is our fearless leader uh, uh, an indicted war criminal and subject to the Hague and, and, and basically would find himself in prison at a minimum, prison for life, if he were ever to be uh, restrained and brought to trial? Why? Why? And, 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 this, and this, I think, might still, given, how, given the broad spectrum of information that until extremely recently the Russian people have had access to, to Western Internet, I'm sure that there have been limitations on what have come through, but, but everything everything but national t, national, uh, the national TV, the national media, which means basically one one, if not one TV channel, one TV network owned by the Russian state and approving of all that's out there. And the news sources are absolutely whatever the state wants. Until people can break through that, they will buy whatever Vladimir and company are selling them. And it's, we've seen in our own country, we've seen with the internet, we've seen that you can lie pretty convincingly. You can take the same set of facts and present them in an entirely different way from an entirely different perspective, or, or make up a whole separate set of facts. I, I heard an interesting report uh, yesterday. Someone uh, who has access to uh, on-air Russian and on, you know, cable and 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 local the the, the approved video uh, TV news sources said that much of what the people are seeing are many of the same images, the visual images that are being shown in the West, except that when you see dead bodies you are told that these are ethnic Ukrainian, Rus ethnic Russian Ukrainian bodies killed by Nazi Ukrainians. When you see the damage to buildings, it's because the Ukrainians, the, the Ukrainian government, the Nazis in the Ukrainian government are attempting to destroy the places where ethnic Russians live. It, it's really very simple to turn these things around. 
And as 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 uh, Joseph Goebbels in the Second World War under under Hitler uh, repeated time and time again, and and let us all know eventually, didn't say it while he was doing it, but we we heard about it. And we've learned since the, the great lie works. You basically repeat the same lie again and again and again. Never give up, never, never sway, stay on message, continue with the same line. And if that's all people are getting and hearing, they will eventually believe it and they will act on it. This is simply human psychology. It, it takes some pretty awful uh, reasoning on the part of the people who would force this upon a population to do this. It takes a lot of paranoia. It takes tons of fear. It would sound as though it's all power and strength. No, it all comes from fear. Vladimir Putin is probably one of the, uh, together with Donald Trump, two of the most fearful people on earth. You could name a few others. But it's all fear generated because that's the only thing that could drive this level of anger and this level of, of, of violence and mistrust and willingness to destroy everything else around you for the sake of whatever you feel you have to have to give you a sense of safety and confidence. Nothing else matters. People don't matter. Lives don't matter. It's you simply conflate your personal desires with that of the entity that you're ruling, get rid of all other voices, push your agenda forward, and do it with absolutely a, in a conscience-free zone. That's what you got. And that's what we're seeing. It's, it's um, so my apologies. My apologies to the uh, nonviolent resistance community uh, it, for anything that I might have suggested uh, to the effect that they were ineffective. No, they are doing precisely what they need to do. They are an educational, uh, they, are a, they are a think tank educational group they are suggesting to the world that nonviolent resistance will always be the better course. They are correct statistically and morally in every other way. But it can't be on them if it doesn't happen in a given set of circumstances because the only way nonviolence resistance works or happens is when it is internally generated. Oh, blame the nonviolent people for not getting for not getting their message out quickly enough to the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian people so that they could all cons no, it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We we have to start considering nonviolent resistance as a viable mechanism for future events, I'm afraid. We have to understand and, and recognize what happens when flat out fear and hatred and, 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 and military conflict and bloodletting is allowed to, is just simply let loose. And there are no constraints and there are no thoughts uh, otherwise. There's nothing else to be considered. The default is always to 
blood and anger. We have to be able to focus on nonviolent resistance a lot more than we have up to this point. If we don't, we simply run the risk of this and then the next Ukraine and wherever else uh, Putin goes because the, the way he's proceeding at the moment does not suggest that Ukraine could be or would be logically the end of his path. He's been thwarted. He's angry. He's offended. He's afraid. And he has to maintain his position at home. He has to find ways to convince the local populace and, and, his, and his ability to function really is a function of how he can, how he can pull a, a, a Joseph Goebbels on the Russian populace. He has to find a way to keep them believing that he is protecting them and moving them towards the greater Russia or something and allow any voices of dissent, not allow any voices of dissent, to crush any real solid dissent and to keep this going indefinitely even as sanctions will begin to make life harder and harder for the average Russian. He's going to have to work all the harder at this. Unless, well... On a slightly more positive note, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson yesterday was uh, voted in by the Senate without the need to have uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, as the tie-breaking vote in what would have otherwise been a 50-50 Senate. Believe it or not, uh, you actually had Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema uh, voting uh, with them, their, 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 their owners apparently uh, didn't feel any great objection uh, to uh, their voting for Miss, Miss, uh, Miss Brown, uh, Miss Jackson. Um, they, no, no threats of withheld uh, monies uh, or support or anything like that. So that, that, that clearly uh, was, was a good thing. And, and I, 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 I laugh at the notion that it, it, it was with, it was with uh, my goodness, it, 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 was, it was across the aisle. It was with, uh, you, know, you know, bipartisan support. Bipartisan support in this case, meaning there were two or three uh, Republican senators who had the decency to put an eminently, obviously qualified black woman, first black woman in, in history on the court. And this was after the same Senate had approved her for the federal bench barely two years earlier. Virtually the same, with substantially more Republican support. It just insane. But th 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 this, is, this is how we live right now. And there was a very interesting interview uh, that came up uh, yesterday. Jonathan Swan of, of Axios uh, was interviewing... Mitch McConnell. I, I, Mitch, for whatever reason, decides that he will actually speak to other than the enemy on occasion. Uh, other, than, other than absolute friends, he'll speak to the enemy now and then. He pretends that it's not the case. And, and the question came up based on a comment that had, made by Lin, had been made by Lindsey Graham about a day or two ago. 
to the effect that, or pretty much a bare-knuckled statement that uh, that's the last time uh, that uh, Joe Biden can expect to uh, get anyone through during his term of office, something to that effect as far as a Supreme Court justice. Now, keep in mind, Clarence Thomas, based on the rules of the court, based on the guidelines afforded all Supreme Court justices, should be recusing himself. Supreme Court justices must recuse themselves. There's, even the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court does not have the power to force a recusal on the part of a Supreme Court justice when that recusal could be forced in lower courts, federal and state throughout the country, depending on the local rules. In other words, so that if a judge is, uh, is, is in any way associated with the matter before the court in the particular case, or if a member of the judge's immediate family, and usually this is spouses, if there's a spousal connection with one side or the other in a case, it is tradition that judges anywhere will recuse themselves. Why? Because, because the, 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 the perception of even-handedness is absolutely critical to the exercise of justice, to the, dispen to the dispensing of justice perceived to be fair. If there's this sense that there is an influence on a justice, then you shouldn't be there. Now, with that in mind, Clarence Thomas should have been off the... Clarence Thomas should not have voted on a single case pretty much during his, what, 35? How long has he been on the bench now? Some incredibly long period of time. He is the least active, the least, the least vocal, the least written, the least anything. He simply votes with the most extreme. One can imagine, and, I'm, and I have no proof of this, but one can imagine he simply waits to hear what the Heritage Society tells him his vote is supposed to be, and for all intents and purposes could phone it in. But in this instance, his wife, Ginny Thomas, has there are phone records or before the the January 6th commission she has been in direct contact with people promoting the overthrow the turning over of the election and mechanisms for doing it making all kinds of crazy statements absolutely committed to and a part of the process and in those in that circumstance by by any definition of objectivity for any justice sitting anywhere, least of all on the Supreme Court, you have to recuse yourself from any cases involving this, involving uh, trials of people involved in this. Because, because your wife, obviously, is in one, she's in the crazy camp. You've been with her for 35 years. You've publicly stated that she's your greatest friend, your greatest influence, time and time again. I mean, come on, man. How on earth could anyone imagine that there is objectivity on his part? But not a word. Not a word from him. And, I, and, I, and someone told I. I I haven't heard this, but someone suggested to me that he actually has either directly or indirectly released statements suggesting that he absolutely will not recuse himself from any of the cases involving uh, the January 6th insurrection. 
there goes the Supreme Court. Wait a minute. If, if, oh, wait. And if you're waiting for it to go even further, hang on. Um, if the court should vote to overturn Roe v. Wade or make it functionally irrelevant in dealing with the Mississippi case that, that they're going to be, I believe that'll be next month. Uh, they may be announcing, they may be announcing the result of that as early as next month or June, May or June, you'll be hearing that. If they, if they blunt or absolutely overturn Roe v. Wade, they will have destroyed the entire process of stare decisis, which is to say that we are a court, the Supreme Court says, and most courts in America are the same, we are a court that remains committed to, and we base our current decisions on prior decisions. And if there is going to be a change from a prior decision, there has to be a substantial change of circumstance that would give us reason to reconsider an original vote. Now, Roe v. Wade and the cases that have been brought by countless religious and morally upstanding groups who claim that, that, that abortion under any circumstances is murder, et cetera, et cetera. There have been countless cases brought before the court that have made their way to the court. And the court has always, there, there's always been, there's been little, there's been room made for a state interpretation here and there, but the court has always retained, maintained the fundamental force of Roe v. Wade been a lot of, lot of nibbling, nibbling away at it of late, but the fundamental force of it would be there. If they were to approve or reverse the appellate division ruling on the Mississippi case, that would effectively destroy, it's the, I believe, is that the heartbeat case or the, the way it's set up, the way the, the, way the case is, is set up, a woman could not could not uh, have an abortion after the heartbeat of a child or the heartbeat of the fetus is in any way detectable. Well, the fact remains that most women don't even know they're pregnant before that event happens, that there's some kind of blood circulation process in whatever this is, this fetus, by the time they even figure it out. So that as a practical matter they would be, have no access to abortion whatsoever. It would cancel out Roe v. Wade as a practical matter. You could, you could leave it on the books and say that, well, you know, yeah, of course it's a blah, 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 blah. But the state has a right to do it. Well, every other state that is so inclined will automatically do it, and we will have basically a half, uh, a half, uh, a half the country will, uh, will accept uh, the dicta of Roe v. Wade, will accept the Supreme Court decision, and the other half will be able to ignore it because the court says you may ignore it. And they will have done that with the assistance of a justice, Clarence Thomas, who basically will say, and of course, I will not recuse myself from cases in which a family member, my wife, has a direct... What, what the hell kind of opinion does this leave Americans with about the Supreme Court? How Can we possibly imagine that it's anything but a political machine with no real judicial intent, much less capability or authority, or desire. It, wait, wait, it gets better. Uh, and this is where I began this thought. 
Mitch McConnell, uh, in an interview with, with, the, with Swan of Axios, was, request, was asked directly, listen, um, you know, you, you, had this one, you had this rule where you, you, you invented a rule that said that if a justice comes up for, um, for, a, for a hearing, in the final year of the president's, a president of a different party, a Democratic president, this, this happened with Barack Obama, and Barrett Garland came up for a hearing, and it was the last year of, 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 of Obama's administration. And, and Mitch McConnell, who was the Senate leader, they, 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 the Republicans had the Senate, and he came up with a rule. Well, you know, in the, in the, in the final year, in the final year of a presidential term, uh, there, there should be there should be no um, um, no voting, uh, no 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 no. It should be it, uh, any 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 votes, any hearings about Supreme Court justices should be in, in other than the final year of a presidential term. And he, of course, went ahead and broke that rule in the rush to the finish line of putting in the three justices, the three conservative justices on the court. One of them, after, I believe, the final vote, did the final vote take place after the insurrection? No, well, well very close to. Uh, so, so he went ahead and broke that rule immediately and now refused to answer the question of, let's say, and there was a hypothetical that, that, uh, that uh, Swan from Axios uh, posed, let's say uh, there's an opportunity if a justice is going to retire next year, and there's a possibility that a conservative justice might. Would you, uh, would you in keeping with your rule, um, basically allow a hearing? And Mitch McConnell refused to answer the question, refused to answer, which, 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 come on, that's an answer. And something that, that, that out of his mind, Lindsey Graham, who doesn't know who he is, who, who basically must go to bed crying and saying, where's, where's, you know, where's, uh, where's my favorite Republican senator when I need him, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the guiding hand that he received from the late great from a senator from the state of Arizona is no longer there to give him any kind of direction. Um, so <laughs> that added to all the other garbage that the court seems to be in the process of uh, spewing and swallowing. And it's kind of hard to imagine anything like an objective Supreme Court or a court that can be looked at and, 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 and respected as, as the last word, as, as a purveyor of justice, as someone we should agree with as the final arbiter, because when the court has spoken, everybody has to accept. No, if, if no one accepts it, what the hell? Donald Trump is, you know, refusing to put out papers. Well, th those were demanded by Letitia James. She's uh, fining him 10000 a day. I believe that the, the fine has gone into place. But some of the same paperwork was covered by the Supreme Court ruling that went down recently. And he just doesn't feel like giving it out. So I can, you know, I could ignore what, I, I, the hell with it. What are they, they going to do to me becomes the argument for whether or not the court has power. What are you going to do? I don't respect you. I don't care what you're doing. 
I don't understand that to basically ignore the court or to demean the force of the court or to make it apparent that it's a purely political entity, even if it largely is in many ways, but at least for God's sakes, give us the means Republicans, give us a means of trying to imagine that there is a even-handedness, that there's the possibility of fairness here. Don't, don't, just, don't just throw it in our faces that it, it means nothing. But that's where it seems to be going. And um, it's, it's, it's a nice moment of relief that Katanji Brown-Jackson uh, had the nomination, that the nomination went through yesterday, that she'll, she'll be getting on the court, I believe, in the summer uh, when her then predecessor will be retiring. But it's, it's, it's small comfort, given the efforts of the Republicans to basically destroy this court in favor of pandering to a segment of the Republican population, the ones that basically can be counted on to come out in primaries, because that's who they're pandering to right now, who basically are encouraged and have in large measure a 12th century view of the world. And this is what a minority within the country right now is able to do. We are, the, uh, we are in the, uh, the oppressive grip, the, the uh, Monopoly of the minority in many ways. A lot of other ways of saying it. And it's one thing to permit minority, uh, the minority to have some say in things. It's another for the minority to still be beholden to Donald Trump and to be willing to basically destroy governmental institutions and worse than that, faith in governmental institutions simply for the purpose of retaining power. We've all seen you know, power plays throughout our history, but to destroy the very institutions you're sworn to be a member of and uphold and the constitution you're supposed to protect just for your own power and to do it without any fear of retribution or any fear of, of, of response, any, any meaningful response from the electorate is a damn scary thing, but we're going in that direction. And we weigh against that nonviolence intervention when, when we get the next step, you see, the, ne the next step winds up being armed conflict and then we have to start talking about nonviolent intervention from within. That's where it came from Martin Luther King. That was within America. That was essentially a attack on on a long-standing attack on a group of people in the country. There are other attacks possible if they're allowed to simply evolve into that, where just one side decides that the other side has no rights. And to keep their power, they must oppress the other side and do it with every instrument of government possible. We're drifting in that direction. Let's, for God's sake, at least be aware of it and imagine how to stop it. And there are people who are doing that. And let's not lose hope. Let's 
recognize that things can change. When a, when a sufficiently large quantum of hope is being embraced by a sufficiently large population, it gives rise to the evolutionary processes. They may not be seen at the moment. We don't know exactly how it works. This is how the universe works, by the way. This is not a religious statement. This is how the universe functions. The universe is the ultimate statement of hope and love. Hard to imagine that it doesn't require, and, and, and I'm not saying because there's a, a, a personified God or any other gods out there that are, you know, humanized in form that are making this all possible. No. The universe is potential. Infinite potential. And within that potential is hope and love. And it's to us to find it and draw it out and to tap into that portion of the energy of the universe because to do otherwise is basically to encourage the other forms of energy, which include whatever the hell it is that's driving people like Vladimir Putin, Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, <laughs> and, and or, or blinding them to the to the dangers of what they're encouraging because they're too afraid to live up to their own oaths of office. <sighs> it's Friday. <laughs> well, Richard, that was an uplifting uh, <laughs> bit of a storyline you had there. Well, no, no, it can get better. It can get a little, a little better anyway, because you know, you know, David, David Bach is going to be here in just a few minutes and before that, just to move things along nicely, easily, you deserve this. Oh, you do. You know what it is. A little more jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You may very well be listening to us uh, uh, on our podcast feed. That's fine. That's the first link on our homepage, the aforementioned homepage. Or if you're listening to the second link, that's our radio loop. Well, same show, except you're picking it up wherever it happens to be when you hit that loop. Not unlike the way you would pick up any radio talk show you're listening to. Third option, You're picking us up wherever you happen to uh, pick up your podcast from. In that case, you're looking for us under Center Left Radio, under any of the the aforementioned circumstances, all three of them. Wherever you are right now, however you're listening to us, you are at that point of the Friday show when I get to say the magic words. And and they are, because you know what comes next. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot. And if you want to generally hear what I'm thinking about, you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ideas, or you can follow me on Twitter at FacesIdeas. Uh, look, yesterday was historic. Yeah. We got uh, yeah. uh, Justice Justice Brown is now officially on the Supreme Court. Yeah. She got more votes than both Kavanaugh and uh, Coney Barrett. So that's uh, that's something. But, like, again... It's worth mentioning that 
all this stuff that they complained about, all these, all the fear mongering, all the, oh, she's going to let pedophiles off. Oh, she's going to destroy your human. She's going to steal your constitutional rights. The court is still 6-3. Yeah. yeah. She's still in the minority. And let, let, let's talk about some of the rights that these, because this was where Ingram was like, oh, these three uh, Republicans voted to destroy your constitutional rights. Let's see which rights that she's acceptable with this Supreme Court destroying. Uh, a woman's right to an abortion, a, uh, a, a fair and free democracy, uh, clean, clean water. Because if you don't know, on Monday, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett said, hey, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of cases coming up and you should just read the opinions um, to make to see if we're being political. And then on Wednesday, they used the shadow docket to defeat the Clean Water Act. And they did not release an opinion as to why. Right, right. You know, right. the thing that regulates whether companies and businesses can pollute your water, you know, that thing yeah. is a little bit important. Yeah, yeah. Just a little. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What are the other rights that they're going to uh, they're going to make it easier to own uh, firearms because that's what we need. Is more oh, firearms. sure. Oh, sure. Oh, my God. I would I would hope, you know, we're, we're really running. We're running low on, on that. You know, we... uh, they said OSHA can't OSHA can't regulate potential pandemics because you could get them outside of the workplace. Oh, I these see. Just a couple of these are just a couple of the rights that it's okay for you. So, to so, so, so if you're sick, so once you're in the workplace and you're affecting everybody else in the workplace, which is what OSHA is supposed to be able to regulate, obviously, because it's a, there, there's the pandemic exception, sort of like the Mitch McConnell, you know, uh, exception for when you can vote on a Supreme Court justice if we don't have uh, a guy from the Republican Party in the White House. It's, it's the pandemic exception to, to the, uh, to OSHA. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So there's. So let's talk about Mitch McConnell for a second. Um, but before that, look, the reason that we got Kentucky uh, Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court is because they have the 50 50 Senate. Yeah. That's it. Like the Republicans have said over and over again, they would keep the seat. They would not. They would not even bring up for hearings. And Lindsey Graham, for all his bitching and moaning, saying, you know, this is a radical woman, just voted for her. Like less than a year ago. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, it's it's all nonsense. Uh, we also have a couple of other things. So Jonathan Swan just interviewed Mitch McConnell, uh, and some of the uh, things in this interview are like truly incredible. So at one point during the interview, there's like a three minute piece where he's talking to Mitch McConnell about his uh, political red line, and the thing he brought up, he goes after. Uh, after the impeachment trial, you had a speech that basically said, hey, Donald Trump's at fault for this, but I voted to acquit him because I'm a coward. Um, if he's the nominee in 2024, would you support him? McConnell's like, of course I'm going to support him. He's the Republican nominee. He's like, well, how do you square that circle? McConnell's like, he's the Republican nominee. The Republican people chose, Republican constituents chose him. It's like, yeah, but like, you just said he's responsible. And Liz Cheney, who has a similar view on January 6th as you, won't support him. Like, do you have a political red line? And basically what he's saying is he has no political red line, which none, is true. None, none, It's power. Power McConnell, is a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If the person is going to give him power to, to cut taxes and to uh, to support more ridiculous right-wing judges, then 
he'll then he'll side with whoever it is. An insurrectionist is fine by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's not like this is not uh, a white supremacist and uh, anti-democratic party because just this week they still announced that they're doing their CPAC with Viktor Orban, who oh. is essentially Putin light in in Hungary. And also, yesterday, Paul Gosar got caught for a third time, potentially doing an event with a white nationalist. This was with the the American Union uh, Patriots Union. So just a reminder for the other two times, during the first CPAC of the Biden presidency, Paul Gosar went and was a guest speaker at the uh, uh, the APAC, the American First um, Conference, yeah. held by Nick Fuentes, who is a white supremacist neo-Nazi. A year later, he recorded a message for that group, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up. Yeah. In yeah. between that, he had canceled a previous event with Nick Fuentes after he had... Uh, talked about it. He was he was promoting the event, and then he threatened his colleagues, and then he tried to do this event. So it's some and and a reminder to all of this. The thing that McCarthy's gotten maddest about from any of his members is not the blatant white supremacy, not the fact that they're uh, two of his members keep calling for violence or the insurrectionists. It's Madison Cawthorn talking about orgies and keybumps. Yeah. That's the person who has lost Miss McCarthy's trust. <laughs> uh. I mean, the, the, the other part, this is my, my favorite part, though, of the, the McConnell thing, is he was talking to Swan about what their agenda was. And he's like, I'm not going to tell the American people what our agenda is. We're just going to make it a referendum. And he's like, well, you know, don't you believe that you owe the American people uh, to tell them what you're going to do in power? Because Rick Scott and Kevin McCarthy do. And Mitch McConnell's like, no. But there's a reason for that. It's because their agenda is terrible. So currently the, the existing agenda for the Republican Party would end Medicare and Medicaid, right. would raise taxes right. on 100 million people, right. uh, would create school indoctrination. It's like the Rick Scott thing should be talked about every single day because it's so insane and it's the closest they have to an actual healthcare plan it's a, to any type of plan like just being against something is isn't enough like it's fine enough when you're voting for like i guess it was it was fine voting for trump just because he was such a threat to democracy but to put the republicans in power you have to understand what they're going to do yeah and just even putting Democrats in power, like just being mad at the Democrats, you could absolutely do that. Just like a perfect example for how Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema have destroyed uh, and Biden, because Biden's not fighting them, have destroyed their, their own popularity. Among people who received the uh, the child tax credit, do you know what their approval rating for Democrats was? What? Plus 12. Do you know what it is now? What? Minus three. Oh, dear God. People who received the child tax credit. Yeah, you know oh why it's God. minus three? Oh. oh, my God. What? They decided to end the child tax credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, it, I, I, I spend a lot of time on the show, on, my, on the earlier segment. Uh, I, I didn't spend much time on the Mitch McConnell piece 
Uh, I had a feeling you'd be giving more on it. I, I just happened to bring up the part about uh, from the interview about McConnell refusing to answer the question about whether or not if a Supreme Court nominee possibility came up, let's say next year, uh, would he uh, would he follow his own rule? And, they, and the question is which rule uh, and and allow a uh, and allow a debate to take place, allow allow uh, allow some kind of a, a, a vote on that individual. And he refused to answer the question. He simply said to Swan, Jonathan Swan, I choose not to answer. And, you know, which again, for purposes of his of his constituency, which is to say red meat Republicans or red meat Trumpians who vote in primaries. And that's all that's all he's playing to here because they've tried to, you know, jigger the system and jigger the state, uh, the state rules and everything and the voting situations so that those people will have a disproportionate effect on everyone and everything. That's all he has to say. And it just more than anything else, it amazed me to hear a former and potentially future Senate leader actually answer a question that fundamental about the democratic process of America and to basically equivocate over something like that. It was, it was, it was disheartening at, at a minimum. Sickening is more like it, but it was disheartening at a minimum. I mean, the other thing to it is, um, what, what, what else would that he said, uh, it's no uh, him and, and Ted Cruz and a couple of other senators have kept saying this thing about the, the size of the court that it has to be nine. First off, there's it's not written anywhere that it has to be nine. Oh no, no, it's and it's been changed over time. Yeah, that's it's, you know, the, the Franklin Roosevelt's court was the perfect example of that. But uh, yeah, okay, yeah. And second, the Supreme Court was eight people for a year. Yeah, and it was eight people for a year. Not because there wasn't a qualified nominee or because the president was too busy to, to, to fight one, to find one, or something like crazy happened where they didn't have time. No, the Supreme Court was eight members for a year because Mitch McConnell decided not to do his job. Right. So right. this is like insanity. Um, and the the – like. They had no policy. It's like insane. So they're getting mad at Title 42. Um, they're, they're holding up the second wave of COVID relief in order to uh, to fight over Title 42. Now, Title 42 is the, the uh, Stephen Miller baby that basically says that because there is a, uh, a global health emergency, you, um, you can basically throw out asylum seekers because of uh, this with the, without due process or without allowing the, their claims to go through. Uh, so Biden's trying to end it because this is essentially not been effective. Uh, it just allows them to uh, deport more people. Yeah. And it's like, you can't claim that title 42 is, is needed, but also simultaneously claim that the pandemic is over because yeah, the pandemic yeah. is the, the yeah. use for title 42. Yeah. 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 yeah, um, yeah. And then, McCarthy went on Fox. I don't know which which talking head. I think it was Hannity. And he was talking about uh, of Title 42. And one of the things he says is um, the DEA, the DEA uh, is worried about fentanyl coming over uh, the border due to the open border. Except when you go and read the statement, at no point during that statement does he say this is due to an influx in il uh, illegal immigration. 
And then if that wasn't the dumbest thing he says, he says that this is, and these are literally back-to-back sentences. He said, uh, he said, this is all due to uh, border, to the border, open border, and it's going to read an influx of uh, fentanyl, and fentanyl comes from China. <laughs> now, as an American, geography is not my strong suit. However, <laughs> you, what, the, I'm aware. You don't know about the, the Chinese-Mexican border? What's the matter with you? <laughs> does not border the country of China. Yeah, well, you know, you know, you know, you 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 split you're splitting hairs there, David. I mean, really now, come on. But then again, he's talking to a population, you know, that may not. Uh, it doesn't care. That doesn't really care about that. It's 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 a silly game. It's a silly. Say something more outrageous. Be more in the face. Diss them, Dems. Basically, trash them, troll them, uh, meme them. Do whatever you have to do. This is what we like, and we're too afraid of what might the alternative be if you don't destroy them. And by the way, to take any means you need to do that. We don't care because, well, we first of all don't understand how the country operates, and second of all, you've got us so damned frightened about. About what Biden and then Dems and those communists that they are in there, what they might do to us if they have unfettered power that you've got to do everything in your power to destroy them. That's, that's literally the sub-message in this entire thing. And that's the scary part. It's fear-mongering at its absolute worst. That's what this all comes down to. That's- well, it's not even sub at this point. I mean, the, the, the flip, the, the switch flip to the groomer talked is just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, the, so there is actually some good news just before we get to this. Um, in Nevada, they were trying to pass an abortion trigger law and that failed. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a positive. Um, but there, so the way these, these bills have come from uh, this, this Republican legislature is they, they come in like waves. Like one state will figure out some crazy-ass thing that they could do, and then a bunch of other states will come. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, like Texas and, and Georgia and Florida started, uh, did the, the voter suppression stuff, and then they went to the trans ban, and now they're copying Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, um, which is now like, again, just... They're all like, oh, just read the bill. It's all about sexual deprivation. It's like, okay, first off, you don't even understand the extent of what you're talking about. Because, for example, if we're going to talk about uh, not doing gender identity, okay, well, the same people bitching about pronouns are now forcing you to use them. Because you can't use he, her pronouns. You can't uh, refer to people as Mr. or Mrs. You can't have gender uh, gender assigned bathrooms. You can't have uh, any book that shows a heterosexual relationship. That's just a couple of things off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure at least two of those things have been a nonstop culture war for a couple of years. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's I, I, I just keep questioning and I and I find myself doing this in, in, in most central left radio shows. I keep questioning is there a breaking point here? Is there, you know, do, do, we, do we suddenly re-embrace sanity 
or do we literally have to go over the edge? Because we keep tiptoeing closer and closer to that edge. And what does it take for us to make a decision one way or the other? I'm, I'm shocked to see how there's been unification within the Congress. I mean, there was a hundred to zero vote yesterday on some element of supporting Ukraine or something or other. There's absolutely zero people, apparently, that was in the Senate anyway. Of course, there are some people left in the House who will find nice things to say about Putin. But by and large, the country has basically turned largely against him. See, you see some glimmers of of moral or ethical rationality, but they're, they're, they're shoved side to side, side by side with the other insanity that we're, we're discussing over here. I, I wonder if if being able to recognize a moral imperative like not like it's not good to attack another country and the person who sponsors it is bad is that a positive sign that we could have a, a hundred to zero votes based on that that there might be hope or are these outliers are these just accidental situations do you have any thoughts on that i'd be curious well, I think mostly because it's a toothless bill, it doesn't matter. Because let's talk about some of the other things. So first, the the potential front runner and leader of the Republican Party has once again asked the uh, Russia to help him in another election. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, also yeah, admitted yeah. in a talking to somebody at Mar-a-Lago that uh, he should get more credit for the size of the crowd that he that was there on January 6th and uh, that he basically uh, uh, wanted to walk down with them. David, David, the I think you and I, let, let's, let's together, you and I are, Donald, we're giving you credit for the lar for a larger crowd than you got credit for. I want to be the first to do that. Okay, go on to whatever you were doing, yeah. Uh, he said he wanted to walk down with them to the Capitol, but Secret Service wouldn't let him. Of course not. Uh, which, of course, is ridiculous. There was no way he was going there. Also, you know, we're still don't know what the fuck he was doing during January 6th, like, like, which is fucking wild that we don't know the, 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 uh, the actions of the president oh, yeah. during, during a moment like this. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's just no, dare, he's daring the Congress to try to find out what he what he what, what he's did. He's daring Letitia James uh, to fine him ten thousand dollars a day for not producing subpoenaed materials concerning his companies. It's like screw it, go ahead. What are you going to do to me? That's what it all comes down to. The law means nothing. I am not subject to it. Yeah. Um, and back to your original question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer is we have to destroy. They have to be obliterated at the ballot box. And then, the, in order to do that, the Democrats have to actually, you know, pass policies that are popular. They have the power to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that, that's it. To the bills. So. The answer is no. This is uh, bills that are passed 100 to zero like that generally are messaging bills that don't have any like importance or. or I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with because you. Because this week, Josh Hawley apparently said that he's going to continue to hold up DO, uh, DOD staffers uh, nominations until uh, General Austin resigns, who is the Secretary of Defense, because in a rational world, it makes sense to delay staffers and then complain about the ability for them to do that while also simultaneously saying that we haven't uh, produced enough Ukrainian aid and voting against it. It's somebody's rational world, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We have Matt Gates who was sparring with General Austin talking about this, and he was like, you guys are wrong in Afghanistan? He's like, you're wrong in Ukraine. And General Austin's like, hey, dipshit, 
Do you think the reason we were wrong in Ukraine is because we we recognized there was a situation and that we gave them aid and that had we not given them aid, we might have had a similar situation to what our projections uh, showed and that we've actually been like mostly spot on with our intelligence and that has caused the difference in this war, unlike in Afghanistan, where the army just like gave up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, David, uh, as always, we, we, we live in interesting times and, and, and have no shortage of interesting discussions to have about them. Uh, and as always, uh, discussing them is why we play the games. It's nice to know that games are being played uh, in Major League Baseball. The, the Mets won their opener. My goodness, against the Nationals, they're in first place. It's a wonderful thought, I guess, for Mets fans, certainly. And uh, let's see if the Yankees can do uh, a similar feat uh, this evening. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing at home, I think, tonight, right, aren't they? I'm pretty sure. I don't, I don't follow baseball. Oh, oh well, oh well. I, I, my son, my son is a rabid Mets fan, and I, and I get this. I was, I was a bit more of a fan as, as, as a kid. But these are the things that I think, hopefully, we can find a little, a little solace, a little comfort in, uh, in this country. Uh, you know, and just keep. Uh, Keep talking, keep thinking, keep projecting ideas, keep, keep bringing up the things that are, are wrong and misshapen about the country and how it can be made better. And that's why I'm so grateful to, to have you on the show on Fridays. David, where can people hear you and listen to you and see you all other times, please? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Faces Ideas, and they can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ideas. And I would encourage anyone listening to this show to continue listening to David in all other forms and circumstances. Thank you once again for being part of Center Left Radio on our Friday show, which I get to end the way I find uh, the greatest, well, to me, a, a huge amount of hope in just its very existence, the greatest of all American original art forms, and I get to put it out there right now by saying a little more jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. We've gotten so into this whole confrontational zero-summing thing that even something as positive as the nonviolence resistance community has been criticized from within liberal sources for not having fixed the Ukrainian situation, forgetting that all nonviolent resistance must come from within. It's, it's a symptom of how we are doing everything these days. We've got to change the fear factor.